Welcome. Um, my name is Camille. And so before diving in, I thought I would say a few words about my intention with this new project of audio recordings. Um, predominantly, I guess, with these Q&A formats um, that were born out of my Q&As on Instagram that have really evolved over the years and have become such a source of growth for me as a human being and based on the feedback um, for many of you as well. So I think built into the idea of a Q&A is that every question has an answer and I think it's important for me to say right off the bat that I don't think that's true. So all I can do is give you my opinion. And I think it's so vital that you realize that the answer is ultimately inside of you. So I hope that these answers that are my truth and in saying my truth, my truth also evolves over time. So they're my truth for this snapshot in time. I hope that they can prompt you to think more about the way that you see the world and potentially challenge some of your beliefs um, so that you can decide for yourself what makes sense. And I guess that's all we can really do. Um, you know, in a society that leans so heavily on science and this idea that something is either you know right or wrong it's so fundamentally flawed because our needs are so bio-individual and as we evolve our needs evolve and yeah as we grow and change as people and gather new information things are no longer relevant to the way that we used to operate and if we continue to operate in that way we stunt our growth and so yeah, these, these Q&As are really more just um, bits of information of where I'm at, and they've proven to be really thought-provoking, definitely in my world, and so I thought instead of doing them as very isolated rambles full of typos on Instagram, I thought that my first podcast could be a, an audio Q&A of some um, of the more interesting or relevant questions that I thought um, I'd start off with. And over time, I have a lot of ideas for this podcast. Um, I've definitely had access to some pretty incredible humans um, through my work writing, and I would love to do some interviews. And yeah, I've got lots of things in the pipes, but let's start here. Um, because it's something that I can do by myself, one-on-one, -on -one, and actually put out there. Something that I've been putting off for a long time, actually, um, for a few reasons. I think one of them is that the world is saturated with podcasts. And I was probably using that as a mask to band-aid um, fear about branching out into the audio world i mean don't get me started on video that's for another time but definitely taking a step out of the written word is 
it's it's scary for me because it's it's easy to hide behind the written word you have more time to think um you can craft it the way that you like um but there's limitations to that as well and i think that having tone and hearing intention is so powerful i'm realizing that especially in today's very polarized world that people can read into the written word in a way that they're imposing their intention on what you're saying and when you lose tone you lose so much context and heart and and depth and meaning and so i think that this journey into the audio world is going to serve its purpose at least for a while and so i appreciate you taking the time to listen because i know personally i am very very mindful of who i let into my brain space i think it's so important that we filter out some of the noise and there's a lot of noise at the moment so thank you for listening and i hope that you take something away from this and more than anything i hope that it inspires you to reconnect with yourself and to question your beliefs and your place in the world and to heal and to grow and to find happiness okay let's dive in Alrighty, so question one um, is what are the best supplements to take so this is this is a fascinating question for me because from the time that I launched my website um, as I speak we're in 2020 and I launched it in 2018 so in these past two years my relationship to supplements has done a 180 um, I've always even in understanding supplements, like I've had this understanding that we're bio-individual, but I still used to take a lot of advice from people, you know, someone saying that they're stressed out and so they were taking ashwagandha and it helped with their stress and I was like, great, I'm stressed, I should take ashwagandha. Um, And I deeply do not believe that anymore. Um, There are a few issues with supplements I mean, first, most obviously, that we're bio-individual. So what I need is going to be different from what you need. And in the past, even when we look at stress, like stress is so multifaceted, um, physical, chemical, emotional stress. And even within those three umbrellas, it just, it fleshes out into so many different things that our our person um, needs to heal and I mean, I think it's important to look, take a step back and look at what your goal is. If your goal is to heal um, or to better yourself, you need to take such an individual approach looking at all the things that impact you and how something that helps someone else might actually harm you. Um, So first having that awareness of bio-individuality. My shift in realizing so i'll start by saying at the moment i take no supplements i have not taken any supplements for a while now and looking back like whoa i would have never in a million years thought i'd be in this place of thinking that um 
the best supplement for me is no supplement. I used to have cupboards full of these amazing potions and tinctures and powders. And I took a lot of pride in that. Um, you know, it became part of my identity as a person, um, being someone who shares a lot about health and I write about wellness and it was this like this um, external validation of my health like look at all these things that I'm doing and it was interesting for a long time to explore that and I definitely think that they served me at the time to empower me but I'm you know the shift actually happened three summers ago when I went to spend the summer in Europe with a backpack, um, I was very limited on space. And so I decided to strip it back down. I took, I think I took some shaga. I took some matcha. I took a few things. Um, but as time went on, I kind of just got over it. I was so, um, so much was going on, like, you know, exploring, I was running through three countries, so much was, so much entertainment, and this and that, and like, I kind of just lost track of the adaptogens, and um, I did not miss them, and it was very empowering to just rely on food as my form of um, nourishment, and sunshine, and ocean, I mean, those things definitely don't hurt, and I was thriving off of the experience and I didn't need to like coddle my health with all these powders and things that I thought that I needed and I'd never felt better actually. That summer was really profound for me in shifting uh, my awareness back into my body and realizing how much I was over supplementing and so uh, yeah, I think that Sometimes it takes a shift like that for us to take a step back and realize that we're just overdoing it. Um, you know, there's this there's this thought that because something's natural that it's healthy, and that's not true. Um, we have a ten. Well, the way that our our healing model works, whether allopathic, which is mainstream, or um, holistic we throw things at the problem and see if they stick and that's actually quite problematic um whether you're into mainstream medicine or holistic health we're constantly you know whether you're working with a medical doctor or a naturopath throwing solutions at symptoms and hoping that the symptoms go away and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't um but we're not addressing root causes of healing. And for me, supplements played a role um, for a long time, but I've come to realize that healing requires a much deeper psychosomatic approach of really looking at where our um, pain lies. And to me, where I'm at now, I've, I've realized that it's mostly in the mind. Um, we need to heal from our childhood. We need to heal from all the pain and trauma, you know, big or small, the heartbreak, all these things that we've suppressed for so many years. And it can be from, you know, major traumas like abuse or very subtle traumas, um, like witnessing someone else's pain you know, we embody these things and then they manifest as illness, as pain, 
as dysfunctional behavior, as self-sabotage. And so we can, we can try throwing supplements at ourselves, be it, you know, self-prescribed or even prescribed by a medical doctor, by a naturopath, by a diet, you know, all these different types of practitioners that say you need this, you need that. But if you don't heal the whole person, anything is symptom suppression. And so, oh, I guess I should mention, I I really truly believe in food as medicine. Um, the way that we feed our bodies is a direct reflection about how we feel about the world because voting with your fork is the most powerful way to vote. Um, the type of food that you eat informs the planet about how you you navigate in the world. You know, there's GMOs and foods that are sprayed with pesticides and herbicides. And that, to me, you know, it, it harms your inner world, of course, because these are toxins that your body has to filter out or store. Um, we'll save that for another time. But, you know, as above, so below, the things that you do to your body is what you're doing to the world. And using these chemicals, you know, failing to see the ecosystem as a whole, the way that we grow food, it, it harms or it hurt, it, it harms or it helps the planet and the planet is our home. And so the way that you feed yourself is a direct reflection of the home that you want to live in your body and the world. Um, so for me, eating local, regeneratively farmed, you know, ethically raised animals. I feel so, so grateful where I live at the moment um, in the Northern Rivers in Australia because I've, I have the opportunity to actually connect with my, the farmers that grow my food. You know, I, I know by face, by name, the cattle farmers that raise my beef and it's, it's so empowering, truly. You know, I've walked the fields um, on which many of my vegetables grow. I, they're growing, you know, without pesticides or herbicides. They're growing local to me, truly local. Um, and that's where I get my nutrition. And when it comes to diet, I mean, that's definitely going to have to be for another question because that's a whole other can of worms when it comes to um, bio-individual approach but yeah it's the same you know it's tuning into your body's needs and realizing that you are whole you know food food is is all that you need when it comes to nourishing yourself if you're eating a diet that um, is tailored to your body's needs there are no gaps if you're opting for whole foods that are raised regeneratively in you know a live soil there are no gaps um, so living with this fear mentality that you need to fill in the holes with pills and capsules and drops um, if it makes you feel whole if it helps you to bridge a gap and reach a place where you can you know remove them from your diet um, then go for it. it if they if it lights you up then go for it but I think for me where I'm at um, it doesn't 
it's it's important to know that it's not what you do it's your relationship to what you do and so take a step back and examine your relationship to your supplements I know when I went traveling that summer I realized how disempowered I'd become relying on all these things um, to make me feel healthy and how much of a part of my identity started relying on them and yeah it no longer served me um, so if you're going to take supplements, I'll quickly say, uh, it's very important to get the best quality, um, because the supplement industry is notoriously unregulated. So at best, um, you'll be wasting your money and at worst, genuinely harming it. Um, so if you're going to take a supplement, go for the absolute best. If you can't afford the best, don't take it um you you don't need supplements you know get to know your body really tune in and if you absolutely need one go for the best because you know there's there's a lot of dodgy stuff going on and you don't want to in the attempts of helping your body you don't want to end up harming it um so yeah i guess i'll end on a reminder that just because something's natural does not make it healthy and just because something works for somebody else does not mean it's going to work for you okay so question number two i keep attracting partners that end up giving me the ick what can i do to attract better men um so this is a female asking about um, attracting a male partner but this answer is going to apply to all humans um, irrelevant of your gender or what gender you're trying to attract so um, this is something that I have been delving very deeply into at the moment um, many of you will probably be aware that I took four years um, off of dating and sex um, to explore myself and understand basically to answer this question to be honest um, the guys that I was dating the guys that I was attracted to um, I really just resonate with this question I get that feeling like you reach a point in the relationship where you are so turned off by the things that used to turn you on and it's quite confusing if you haven't taken a moment to really explore that and what it is that you need out of a relationship more importantly what it is that you're bringing to the relationship so uh, i'll start off by sharing that what i've realized in these four years of hiatus is that uh, what we attract is very much rooted in our self-worth and that we say yes to things that we feel worthy of and more so we stay in relationships that aren't serving us for a long longer time than we should because of low self-worth you know fears that we're not going to do better fears of being alone um yeah low self-worth and so 
the first thing is, you know, really cultivating the ability to say no because setting boundaries is how you embody your worth. Um, it teaches people, but also the universe, that you're no longer willing to settle for things that um, don't make you feel whole or happy. Um, but before running from problems, uh, relationships, you know, that icky feeling that you get with someone, I mean, ideally, before you get reach that point, um, but even if you do reach that point, if you love this person, you know, um, you have to communicate. Communication, I mean, it seems that everyone has this value in within the confines of a relationship. You know, I value communication and honesty. Uh, it's not enough to value something. You have to embody it. And... I've had this experience personally. Yeah, so I experienced this um, a handful of months ago with a person that I started getting involved with, you know, after taking a break from this four years as a single person. And one of the things that we bonded on was our value for communication um but i came to realize that for him it was a value that he didn't embody um i left you know every time we hung out i was so confused about what he was feeling what was going through his head um there was no communication. Like we communicated about life and we had such deep, beautiful conversations about, you know, our childhood and our past and our past relationships and our passions. But what was missing was the internal dialogue, which to me is the cornerstone of communication. So unless you're able to share yeah, unless you're able to share your internal dialogue with someone, you're not communicating. Um, you know, so often these icks that we get within a relationship, I mean, there's so many things going on, right? A relationship is two people showing up and very much of the time acting as a mirror for the other to dig deeper into themselves, to understand themselves. Um, we're constantly triggering unhealed patterns uh, from our past. There's so many, there's so many layers. Like we're, we're bringing our whole life our, and our ancestors, like we're bringing generations of things to the table and then trying to work them out within the dynamic of two. And so you have to get really good at sharing what it is that's on your mind as you're having conversations. So um, getting to the root cause of what gives you the ick, I mean, that's probably one major factor. Um, I know that that's actually what drove me to take years off of dating is that I needed to understand what that feeling was. And so, I mean, here are three resources to me that are paramount whether you're single or in a relationship because learning to communicate I mean being the foundation but also kind of understanding the importance of a dynamic between two people especially the polarities of the masculine and feminine um, to me the ick I've come to to realize it's 
when uh, we lose that balance between the masculine and feminine. And this doesn't apply only to men and women. It applies to same-sex couples. There, there needs to be a polarity of masculine and feminine for there to be sexual chemistry. Um, so you can love someone, um, but if there is no polarity, you're not going to want to be romantically involved with them. So three books uh, that are very important kind of unraveling this question um first would be marshall rosenberg's Nonviolent communication it's a communication bible it's a non-negotiable read if you're a human being it teaches you to express your wants and your needs and to listen um without those abilities we're kind of just shooting in the dark when it comes to communication you really have to understand who and what you are as a person, what you need, and learn to listen because so often when we, in air quotes, communicate, we're actually half-assed listening to the other person while formulating our rebuttal because, you know, our ego is so fragile that we want to be perceived as intelligent, we want to be right, um, and you know, there's the saying, like, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? Or do you want to be right and do you want to be, ha- or do you want to be happy? Like, you have to be able to take a step back from arguing and being right and truly get to the core of what it is that your relationship needs. Um, yeah, so that's a non negotiable read. The next one um, is Esther Perel, her book, Mating in Captivity. I mean, it's gold from start to finish. It explores the ways in which we can bridge love and eroticism. Um, by nature, those two things are very opposite. You know, love is safe. It's knowing. It's feeling heard and seen. And love can exist, you know, in romantic relationships or in friendships. Um, But what makes the difference between a friendship and a romantic relationship with a partner is eroticism. It's the romance. It's the sexual chemistry. And the nature of, of eroticism is novelty. It's excitement. It's, you know, it's the rush. It's the not knowing if they're going to be interested in you, but then they are. And it's exciting and it's new. So the polarities of those two things, you know, they're so, they're so opposite one another. And so we often, you know, you hear about, um, couples having a great sex life at the start and then it just fizzles out and they're friends basically. And so to me, that's built into the ick, you know, that we get, it's like, I no longer, I can even like this person and they're not doing anything wrong, but I'm no longer attracted to them in a romantic way. So her book is powerful to teach you how to reignite that, um, yeah, that connection. And the third is a book that I um, read recently, and I'm already ready to read it again. It is so fascinating. It's David Data's uh, Way of the Superior Man. He takes Esther's... Um, concepts i mean he wrote the book first but hers is very much like applicable to dynamics in real life and his is very esoteric it's about like what's going on inside of us energetically and what drives eroticism and 
um, attraction and chemistry and all that stuff. And it really dives into the masculine and the feminine and that, that polarity between the two that needs to be there for there to be chemistry. And it, it, I mean, it's actually tailored to men to read, but it's funny because quite a few of my woman friends have recommended it as well as, um, a few guys and uh, it's just it explained so much to me about my past relationships I just resonate with the book almost wholeheartedly I mean take it or leave some parts that I was like I don't know about that but for the most part it really explained to me why I got the ick in the past and it allowed me to have some very profound conversations um moving forward so yeah I think having these awareness this awareness about what it is that's happening and happening inside of us is so important to attract better people because if you're just going based on feeling and like you know oh I want you and then I don't want you anymore that's not enough you need to know what is driving your feelings so that you can communicate them and see if there's a chance of overcoming things with a partner because if you run at first ick um I don't think that you're ever just going to stumble upon you know Mr. or Mrs. Perfect relationships require work um and within that work that's where the growth is you know that's where the bonding is that's where the communication the growth the the deeper layers of connection like that's the that's what relationships are about you don't want to stay on the surface like you want to go deep and you want to be able to share that inner dialogue with the other person so that you can really get to know each other on a more profound level um uh, what else oh this is a really powerful exercise actually um And you have to be willing to do it with your ego on the shelf because it can be a little bit confronting. Um, But so first, write a list of what it is you want to attract in a a mate, in a partner. Leave out things that are um, not that important. Like don't get specific on eye color. Don't get specific on hair. Like don't get specific on, on physical things that aren't non-negotiable um so really focus on like values and um yeah really whittle it down to the non-negotiables and really get into like get into your heart space and so you know someone for example on my list communication um honesty and authenticity are really paramount to me um humor someone who shares my sense of humor and you know the way that I laugh is a direct reflection of the way that I see the world so those things to me are like super important um so do a long list go go to town and then have a breath and then start back at the top of the list and then examine if you bring those things to the table. So, you know, are they something that you value 
or are they something that you embody? Because until you embody your values, you're not going to attract someone who embodies those values. Uh, It's really easy to say that you value communication, but if you're not willing to communicate, you're not going to attract someone who's a good communicator. And yeah, I mean, you need to embody the things that you value and we attract what we are. And when we embody the things and when we learn to set boundaries because our self-worth is high enough that we can say no to people who um, who can't show up, you know, who can't meet us emotionally or who can't, yeah, who don't make us... Um, who don't meet us, basically. We need people who meet us. But to be met, you have to be first embodying these things that you value. So, you know, with this guy who shared my value for communication but didn't embody it, I had to step up and I had to communicate the fact that I felt that way. And I had to set a boundary. So in doing that, you know, I stepped into my worth and it transformed the type of people that I've attracted since. So I hope that, that helps. All right, question number three. Um, I love, I have so much to say about this. Um, the question is, you speak a lot about childhood trauma as a route uh, for issues in adult patterns, but I had a great childhood. Why am I still so fucked up? So Uh, Right off the bat, it's important to understand that trauma does not just mean conventional trauma. It definitely includes it. So things like abuse, you know, physical, sexual abuse. Um, But trauma can be so, so subtle um, because you have to remember that what you understand now as an adult you didn't necessarily understand as a child. And a lot of the things that we experience in our formative years, um, that actually starts at conception. So from conception to birth, you know, those first months really soaking everything in such a sensitive way, toddlerhood, you know, those years when we're trying to figure out what the world is and our place in it, a lot of things um, shape us to feel unworthy, unlovable, and unsafe. And that's trauma. Um, it's not to become a victim, you know, like, oh, these things happened to me, so I'm broken or I'm damaged. Not at all. It's actually having the awareness to heal. Um, And realizing that so many, if not all of these patterns that we're looping in as adults, you know, self-sabotage, low self-worth, these are things that can be healed. And peeling back the layers of the onion to uncover the roots of these these things that we're experiencing as adults, especially when they're recurring. Um, You know, you have to learn to see things that happen in adulthood as opportunities to heal and unless you get to the root cause of why these uh, opportunities keep showing up and you heal that root cause they're going to continue showing up Um, 
so yeah um I mean I'll give you a few examples of the more subtle ways that we we become traumatized as children um part of this is going to require communicating if you can with your caregivers um it's not necessary you can make a lot of uh, assumptions and also by getting very quiet in your mind you can actually remember some pretty profound things um, one example would be how your mom felt while you were in the womb um, how she felt about the world how she felt about herself how she felt about your father um, their relationship their dynamic um, then your your birth is pretty major. That first breath that you took really informs you about uh, the world, if it's a safe place or not. Um, you know, many babies are born with the cords wrapped around their neck. I mean, what a way to enter a new dimension. Um, things like, you know, oh, I, I'll share something. My mom actually... She shared with me recently that in the hospital when I was born, when they washed me, it was very rough. Like she had this maternal instinct of like gut-wrenching, just kind of like, what the heck is going on? And they were saying, no, babies can handle it, you know. But as a mother, she was like, this feels so, this doesn't feel right. And of course it's not right, like to, to aggressively handle a newborn child like of course we can handle it but the thing is what is that teaching us about the world um i won't go too deep into to some things but you know when you look at even vaccinating babies um it teaches us that the world's not safe that we come into the world and that the very first thing we need to do is be prodded and injected and measured and you know there's the bright lights the artificial lights it's like all this all this checking and measuring and fixing right off the bat it's like you're being taught that the world is dangerous and that you're not whole and that you need to be afraid of the world um which shapes our subconscious and as adults we think that we operate from the conscious mind but the reality is that the subconscious is what shapes the way that we react to things and so those things need to be explored um yeah after birth i mean were you breastfed who decided when the breastfeeding stopped um, did you co-sleep like did your parents or caregivers um, adopt the continuum concept, um, you know, where you're always being held, where you are held until you fall asleep, where you sleep next to your parents, um, or did they adopt a, the much more common like cry it out method where babies, you know, they're checked on, they're loved, um, they're fed, but ultimately they're left to cry themselves to sleep because it only takes a few minutes to self-soothe and then once they're asleep they're asleep and everything's fine um it's it's not 
really the intention necessarily because the intention I think you know I I really deeply believe that every parent does the best that they can with the tools that they had at the time and the information and you know dealing with the way that they were raised and yeah so there's no none of child none of, none of um inner child healing work has to do really with people that raised you because all I have for parents is compassion and you know a deep sense of like forgiveness for everyone who's ever done something that might have unintentionally harmed their child because I truly believe that people do their best um but that not you know the majority of people don't have this awareness so that's why as adults that we have to take it upon ourselves to whether you want to see it as reparent or you know heal that inner child at very least connect with that inner child so that you can start to have an awareness about the way that you're navigating in the world and the patterns that you keep experiencing like where do they come from what is your higher self trying to show you or heal or teach you um yeah so one other thing is is it's not just it's not just what you experience like it's as as children we until it's a significant age like i want i think it's about age seven we think we're at the center of the world right we're at the center of our own universe and so we think that everything that happens around us is a direct reflection of us so if our parents are arguing or our parents divorce or you know we experience physical or um, emotional abuse within the confines of of the household even if it doesn't happen to us we think that we created it you know there's there's of course you know parents divorce and kids think it's their fault because yeah it's that egocentric we haven't yet cultivated the awareness that people have their own lives um so it's not just the trauma that you experienced to your own self it's the things that you witnessed um i mean there's fascinating there's fascinating stories about even children experiencing referred trauma through classmates so if a classmate experiences deep shame publicly in front of you know the peers in the classroom at a young age you can actually embody that and and learn such a deep lesson that shapes your subconscious um, to fear the world to feel unworthy and lovable and so yeah uh, childhood trauma i mean i can't imagine anyone not having it because it you know it comes from a place of pain but it also comes from a place of love so you know there's there's that the concept it's definitely taught in vipassana i think buddhism in general is that pain comes from craving and from aversion so it's not only um the the clinging to the bad sensations that can cause us trauma it's also um clinging to the good so when we have parents that are absent of course trauma but when our parents are too present and too overbearing to the point where we have no freedom to 
explore the world and to make mistakes and to cultivate our own identity, we carry that burden as well. So, um, yeah, I think that everyone has has childhood shit to explore. And um, if you think that your childhood was perfect, um, I suggest working with someone who can help you see the blind spots. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I could, I could go deeper into the childhood work that I've done, but I think we'll save it for another time because this podcast is going to be 48 hours long otherwise. Um, oh, you know, one last thing I'll say is that a good way to to check in to see if it's time to do the work is listen what's what's your inner dialogue saying you know stand in front of the mirror naked and where does your mind go um we are so harsh on ourselves and we say things in our own mind about ourselves that we would never say to another human being you know Um, about the shape of our bodies, about our worth in the dynamic of a relationship. So I think tuning in with your inner dialogue is a great first step to see if there's work to be done. And another great way um, is when you are spending time with someone, be it, you know, a first date or a new friend or even an old friend, or even a partner, um, what is it that you worry about? Um, You know, so often I think that we go into, we navigate our relationships from a fear that we're not going to be worthy of their love, of their attention, of their laughter, and we don't think about... um, if if yeah it's it's about are we enough not about you know does this person fit in with with my sense of what it is i need from a relationship like it, it has nothing to do with what they bring to the table and everything to do with acceptance of who we are and so if if your fear is acceptance is con- constantly rooted in am i going to be enough i mean guarantee there's some stuff to look at there um yeah, your worth, you know, your worth as a human being is innate. Um, it's it's something that you were given with your first breath. And if, so if your inner dialogue is, is critical more than it is compassionate and loving, you've got stuff to work on. And what a gift, because there are so many tools out there to heal and to learn to love yourself and we live in an era where most people do not love themselves and it ripples out into the world and you know it starts with you so if you want to change the world start healing that inner child Alrighty, question number four is advice for getting out of a rut so first of all Uh, I just want to say that, uh, you know, life is not always happy and perfect and joyful. Um, 
all the emotions and all the polarities of this existence are what give us perspective. You know, they give us platforms to grow. They, yeah, life, life ebbs and flows. So finding the ability to kind of get quiet um, in your lows and listen um, to your body and to what potential you have to grow from the experience I think is so so important um if you're feeling like you're in a rut I think first of all get real uh with yourself about what it is that you're feeling uh what brings you down reconnect with yourself um you know people focus especially in the wellness world there's so much focus on adding in the new the things to fix you, you know, the new behaviors, the new supplements, the new exercises, the new diet, um, when actually the majority of growth comes from actually removing the problems. There's, you know, the saying where the man comes in to the doctor's office and he says his foot hurts and so the doctor prescribes him uh, pain medication when the reality is he had a pebble in his shoe. So had he just taken off the shoe and removed the pebble, the problem would have gone away. So before taking the prescription, and the prescription doesn't have to be a pharmaceutical, um, you know, it could be anything. It could just be adding in the new thing. First, get really real with yourself and explore the sources of stress that you um, currently have on your on your mind, body, and soul. And, you know, again, stress comes in the form of chemical stress, emotional stress, and physical stress. So uh, within those three things, there's also the awareness that it's not what you do that's as, as important as why you do it. So your relationship to your behaviors um, is where the light or the shadow you know that's where that's that's everything is your relationship to what you do so for example um a lover could be a source of of good you know a a high for you if your relationship is healthy um it could also be a low if your relationship is codependent or is rooted in trauma bonding or is abusive so relationship itself neither good or bad it's your relationship to your partner and you know the same goes for exercise exercise people often think you know exercise is good for you everyone should exercise which is true um, in principle but in reality it can be extremely detrimental for many people if exercise is coming from a place of self-hatred if you exercise because you love you know your body and you want to nourish it with movement and it helps you you know feel good in your in your body but coming from a place of love amazing if you go to the gym because you hate yourself um nothing you do in the gym is going to bring you love it's not going to bring you self-love um you know over exercising coming from a place of self-hatred is never going to help you love yourself um same with food i mean even if you look at junk food which personally i i don't condone ever um 
I'll have to go into my relationship to diet and stuff at another time. But um, if we examine junk food, it can come from a place of love or hate. And if you're feeling guilty after you eat something, then you have to explore the relationship to that to that food, to that thing. Um, it applies to sex, it applies to gambling, to alcohol, to shopping, to everything, everything that we do in life. The action alone is almost irrelevant to the relationship that you have to it. So um, whether you want to journal or just kind of get quiet and start to think, journaling is very powerful, writing down um, on paper, you can kind of get into a flow and stuff will come out when you journal that you didn't even really realize was on your mind. Um, but anyways, get quiet and take time to explore your relationship to the things that you do, to your dynamics um, with your boss, with your friends, with your parents, with your partner, uh, with yourself, with your own inner dialogue and um let that inform a you about the areas that you might need to explore and heal from. And um, it's, for me, it's always going to come back to healing that inner child because the, the relationship that we have to the things that we do, you know, these subconscious patterns, they're rooted in childhood. There's no escaping it. Um, we can try and fix the surface layer by just putting in a new habit or using you know in air quotes willpower to stop doing things that are self-sabotaging our happiness and our joy Um, but until we go deeper these things are just going to keep popping up in one way or another you know someone goes from having a um an alcohol addiction so they go to aa um but then they develop a smoking addiction or they develop a shopping addiction. It's like until you heal the trauma that underlies our, our vices, um, it's, it's just going to keep popping up in different ways. So yeah, I mean, I guess that answers kind of a very deep way of getting out of a rut. Um, on the flip side, it's also important to just go back to basics like are you getting out in nature every day even if that means putting your bare feet on like a little patch of of grass outside of your office um are you getting in the sunshine are you exposing your bare eyes to daylight for more than two minutes a day like if you're getting you know waking up in the dark in winter to get into your car or to get on the subway to go to work and spend all day indoors looking at a screen if you're getting off of work and it's almost sunset already back into the car home you know filling a lot of um your lows throughout the day with caffeine and sugar and processed foods and then you get home to unwind you have some wine and you watch tv i mean you're a part of nature and if you want to thrive in this life you have to be connected to your nature which is nature we need sunshine we need the dirt on our feet like the science behind why we need to ground ourselves and be you know barefoot in nature is so profound 
the 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 science behind why our eyes to set our circadian rhythm and we need we need daylight um so a lot of rut could be rooted in the fact that you're disconnected from the reality that is that you are a part of nature you know we need to be eating whole foods we need to be nourishing our body we need to be drinking clean water which is not city tap water um we need to move our bodies in a way that is not just one isolated hour in the gym going balls to the wall sweating but then being sedentary for the rest of the day um we need to mitigate stress um you know our relationships matter there's so many factors um that play into well-being that are just these like fundamental pillars that we need to address and none of those things should um require willpower for me as i unpeel these layers of the onion and heal you want to start taking care of your body you know when you feel worthy of of health and happiness you just take on the habits it's like a gift that you give to yourself and so you know that relationship to what you do as opposed to what you do operating from a place of self-love requires healing if you don't feel worthy of these things because you were taught as a young person that the world is unsafe that you are unlovable or that you are unworthy that's when willpower comes in that's when you force yourself to the gym that's when you you know resist the cravings it's like once you heal these are gifts that you give to yourself and the thought of eating like one of these junky chocolate bars from the from the the you know the the gas station it doesn't even cross your mind because your worth is so high that that's not even food you know you learn to rest when your body needs it because you know that your body is already innately worthy whether you sweat at the gym seven days a week or whether you need to rest you cultivate a relationship with your body that is so real and true that there's no more willpower involved in these habits um yeah so i think definitely you want to address the pillars the nature the sunshine the mitigating stress the movement the rest the nutrition the community but realize that if you're having a really hard time ticking those boxes and that it doesn't come naturally you have work to do and what a gift because you have the ability to heal and there are so many resources out there you know whether it be therapy whether it be meditation whether it be neuroplasticity work whether it be like there's just there's so many resources so many free resources to to get you started like there's you can heal basically and so i think get real with yourself is the the start and one way to get really real with yourself is to give yourself advice in the way that you would give advice to your own child so if you can write on a piece of paper what it is that your problem is and then think of your own child coming up to you whether you're um you identify as a man or a woman like see your your daughter or your son coming up to you and saying um you know i'm i'm in a rut 
what do I do now? Um, because our own wounded inner child has the tendency to feel helpless and hopeless. But as soon as we step into the role of the parent and start to reparent ourselves, we have this like wealth of knowledge um, and love and unconditional love for, you know, the, the, the child inside of us. So yeah, be your own parent and um, address yourself as if you were giving advice to your own child. Alrighty, question number five is, I want everyone to like me, the male species to want me, uh, like all of them. I ask myself why, but I don't know. Um, Okay, so this question I will answer based on my own experience because I have felt this too. And uh, I guess it lingers, actually, um, if I'm being completely honest with myself. Um, As a woman who is, you know, identifies as heterosexual, I am attracted to men. And so getting the approval of men has been something that I have (sighs) validated my self-worth with for a very long time. Um, it's only in the past six months, to be honest, that I have been able to let go of almost all of that. I think there's always going to be a part of us as human beings that wants to be validated by other people. Like we're communal creatures. We thrive in community. We, you know, we, we are, we are community-based beings. And so it's, it's not realistic to think that we're never going to want approval from other people because we use people as mirrors for ourselves. um the the key here is to have the awareness which you seem to have when the our self-worth is completely in the hands of others um so when that balance is like it's just skewed so when every person walking down the street like this is something that i used to feel and it's so fucking crazy how common it is and how how sad it is that you know you can walk down the street and if um someone looks at you so if you're into guys or into girls whatever it is or you're into both if the person who you are wanting um who you're attracted to or even not i mean you seem to say all men so i'm sure some of these men you're not even attracted to but when we give our power away to that degree of if they look at us in a way where like they're into us and that validates us and we feel good about ourselves and so the rest of the day we feel great about ourselves or if we you know we make eye contact with someone and they look away and then all of a sudden we have low self-worth and we feel bad about ourselves and it ruins our day it's like holy shit what a realization that your worth is completely in the hands of strangers like you know there comes a point when you cultivate a relationship with someone that you trust and um you know where there's honesty and authenticity and vulnerability and very clear grounded communication where you can use other people's 
points of view to inform yourself and to see your blind spots. You know, that also happens with a very good therapist or, um, yeah, like there's, there's ways of using other people's perceptions to inform yourself about your blind spots. But when your um, worth is based on the approval of people you don't even know, you know there's work to do. Um, so, I mean, maybe we're going to have to rename this entire podcast Healing Your Inner Child <laughs> because it's always going to come back to that. Um, we pick up patterns as children that teach us about our worth and our place in the world. And if we don't learn that our worth is innate, we start to seek validation from other people. And, um, you know, bless our parents for doing the best that they can. But most people have children without having explored their traumas. And so even if you had a typically great childhood and your mom and dad, you know, they were together, they never argued in front of you and they told you that they loved you. If mom or dad didn't love themselves, what you're going to learn is low self-worth. Like it's not about what they say. It's about what they do. That's the biggest teacher. So all the time we're being told to you know, behave and tell the truth. And I mean, even built into that, even built into a lot of the types of um, conditioning that children receive, like being told to be a good boy or being told to be a good girl, um, our mainstream schooling, schooling system that is all based on achievement and comparison to other people. And then, you know, you walk into the world and you see marketing, we're constantly being bombarded with, um, images of unattainable and honestly unhealthy bodies that are being glorified by very unsustainable and unhealthy behaviors. Um, we become this like shell of a thing that feels unworthy, unlovable, unsafe. It's just like a perfect shitstorm. And we seek our worth through others. So, um, what I suggest is to start unpeeling the layers and exploring the ways in which your patterns were probably most likely picked up in childhood. So um, there's a few ways to do this. I mean, there's quite a bit of, uh, there's so many resources. I'm going to save it. I think I might write a blog post when it comes to resources for inner child healing because if I just ramble off the cuff like I'm currently doing, I don't think it's going to be structured enough um, for people. And I would like to really craft what I'm going to say uh, written because going from resource to resource and explaining how each are different and what resonates with specific people, I just don't think it's it's a format for audio. So I will do that. Um, but... A few things just to get your mind going. Um, you can journal on this or even just kind of meditate for five minutes, calm your mind and just start thinking about who it is, your caregivers, um, that played the most important role in raising you. Teachers, you know, at formative ages, um, parents, family, nannies or whatever. And look at what messages they embodied as opposed to the the oral words 
and things that they tried to instill. So how were their relationships? Like what were the dynamics between your parents? Um, I touched this on a few questions ago, but you know, as children, we think that we create the entirety of the world as it's manifesting around us. And so when things are not going well or we see people in pain or we see um like chaos honestly to any degree um we think it's our fault and so exploring the memories that you have consciously first and seeing the people and what their dramas were will probably give you quite a bit of insight um, on why you as an adult don't feel innately worthy and why you feel the need to validate your worth through men. Um, Particularly exploring your mom's relationship to men and the way that your dad, um, like their dynamic together. I mean, that's the most obvious one. Um, But yeah, I mean, start there. And also you can, it's pretty profound to parallel the people that you've had, um, so the men that you've dated or felt intimate with in some way or felt attracted to, parallel the caregivers' behaviors that you experienced as a child and parallel them to the dynamics that you were attracted to or drawn to um, in men in your life. It's pretty wild um, to do the side by side, especially if you can do it from a place of compassion with yourself. Um, You know, when we see red flags as children, we have to think that they're normal to feel safe in the world. So as a coping mechanism, we normalize things that are unhealthy so that we can feel safe. And so you know, as adults, you hear all the time, like, oh my God, there were so many red flags. I didn't see them. Or someone else will be like, dude, you're like, the guys that you're into is this and that, like he's bad for you. And yet you're like, no, no, like we see past the red flags. And it's because we normalized that type of behavior when we were so young to feel safe. Um, And that coping mechanism is now detrimental to us. So that's a really important Um, pillar when it comes to addressing the inner child stuff is that you're not broken Um, you're not damaged your brain and your body are so intelligent that they actually protected you by making something that was unhealthy feel okay so what inner child healing is really all about is unlearning these coping mechanisms because now we're in a different place Um, we're no longer under threat we're no longer you know fearful and we can reestablish our worth as human beings knowing that our survival is no longer dependent on our caretakers and so yeah it's it's a it's a deep question um for me i was able to truly truly take back my power in terms of my self-worth it started by being single like forcing myself to be single for a long time so that i could take a look in the mirror um it's not impossible to do this work with a partner 
uh, it's just more difficult you have to be really willing to let your guard down and not take things personally and not project and so for me that required being single and doing the work on myself um yeah okay uh question six i'm also going to say as an interlude that my neighbors are doing some sort of construction um so i'm not sure if the sanding machine is picking up in the background or not i apologize it is my first podcast ever we'll get through this um so question number six is how can i make my partner be healthier um mega question i think everyone has dealt with this in one fashion or another it doesn't have to just apply to be healthier um it doesn't have to apply to just your partner it can be um wanting to change anyone for any reason so wanting your parents to be healthier wanting your partner to be tidier like the list goes on and on and on um insert person in your life and insert something you want to change about them um this is what this question is about so uh change has to come from within there's no other way around it Um, i could stop answering the question there like you can't do anything to change anyone else um you also don't know what's best for this other person You know, there's a lot of ego involved in wanting to change people and thinking that we know what they need to be, you know, quote unquote better um, on this planet. We're all here to learn different things and we're all here to experience different things. Um, You know, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, like we're not all here to achieve the same um, goal so first of all it's i think it requires humbling yourself which is not easy um especially when you love someone which you know this is coming from a place of love but i hope that by the end of me answering this question you can realize that um wanting to change people is actually the opposite of love because Um, what we do when we try to change people or inspire change whatever you want to call it uh, is what we reinforce low self-worth because we're telling people that how they are and who they are is not good enough Um, it doesn't matter what your intention is you know whether your intention is harsh or whether your intention is loving What you're teaching this person's subconscious is that the person that they are in this moment is not good enough for your love. And yeah, when we embark on a journey of change and growth and self-growth from a place of gentle compassion and self-love, that's when change is sustainable. Um, I've mentioned this a few times so far in this in this episode that you know when we approach change from a place of self-hate that's where we get the yo-yo the yo-yo dieting you know the 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 self-abuse that comes with trying to change because we're not worthy of who we are in the moment and 
when we start to heal ourselves and the depths of our low self-worth and our, our fear and our unworthiness, then we can embark on a change from a place that is so easy and sustainable. It's like, you know, you want to nourish your body with real food because this life is a gift and you want to move your body because, you know, you have limbs, um, you know, whatever you're in, whatever you're you're doing to better yourself, you're doing it from a place of love. And by trying to change somebody else, you're teaching them that they're not lovable, um, in the most subtle way. But it's what you're teaching them. There's just no other way around it. So if you want to help them, um, you have to learn to love them uh, as they are, and you have to learn to listen as opposed to speak. Um, if someone's suffering and they're asking for help, your response can be, how can I assist you through this? Like, how can I serve you? Um, if their answer is, I want your point of view on what I should do, then you share, you know, based on your experience um, through this world what you think they can do whether it be you know what kind of food i mean there's so many when it comes to health and wellness it's such a multifaceted thing but only and if this person reaches out to you specifically to know what it is you did to reach the place that you are then share um this requires deep communication skills because from my experience, most people don't communicate their inner dialogue. You know, they, their idea of communication is talking about things, but not sharing their emotions. And so if you want to help your partner be healthier and there needs to be that foundation of communication between one another so that you can even say like, how can I help you? Like, do you feel comfortable? Um, sitting with your partner and saying like do you think that they he or she would come to you and be like hey i'm depressed or hey i'm self-sabotaging with food and i don't know why like is there that degree of communication or is there a constant back and forth of assumptions because if there is then i think for the the benefit of your relationship not only to make them healthier but to to benefit the health of your dynamic, you need to learn to communicate. Um, and yeah, built into that is learn to listen. And so to help people, we need to listen to them and we need to serve them. We don't need to force our beliefs onto their patterns and think that we know what's best. Um, now, if they don't ask for help or if they don't want to change, because look, um, I value growth for me it's absolutely paramount that my partner be working on himself independently of me and you know we can come together and support each other through the highs and lows but I'm not interested in a relationship where someone is stagnant because to me stagnancy is death um I'm not judging anyone who has no um desire to change and grow and unpeel and you know unlearn and heal everyone's doing their own thing but 
for me to have a sustainable long-term relationship with a partner, I need us to both be on a journey of growth. And that can't come from me telling them to grow. It has to come from inside of them. And so if my partner is not interested in, in healing and growing and changing, whatever you want to call it, being healthier, um, I have two options. I can stay or I can leave. And so if you choose to stay, your only role is the supporting actor, supporting actor in their life. Love them as they are. Um, that's going to require doing work on yourself, most likely, because loving people as they are is not easy. Um, you know, so often we fall in love with potential as opposed to the person that's right in front of us. And it's your duty to realize how much of what you love in this person is real versus how much of it is a projection of your own imagination and desires. So if you can't love what's right in front of you, leave. Um, that's where your power lies, you know, set boundaries and work on your self-worth to attract in a partner that is more attuned to your path. Um, definitely don't leave with like a um, ultimatum of like, I'm leaving if you don't change because I promise you that is not the way to change someone and that is not uh, the way to engage in a loving dynamic it's going to plant seeds of resentment um it's not it's not how you heal so if you decide to leave uh you're doing it for yourself and for your partner because you know that's self-respect and it's respect for your partner um and yeah, I mean, don't say you love someone but need them to change because love is unconditional. And if you need them to, you know, lose weight or get a better job or be tidier or do anything that isn't in their nature, then you don't love them. You love the idea of them that you've created in your head. Um, yeah, so I hope that that helps. Um, relationships are not easy. Um, none of this suggests running at the first sight of something that doesn't fit into your paradigm of what a perfect relationship is or should be. Relationships aren't perfect. Um, you know, they're a vessel for mutual growth and awareness, um, but not everyone is where you're at. So if you if you want to grow as a as a couple, I really think communication is the foundation. And then after that, you have to decide what uh, resonates with you when it comes to, you know, boundaries. And if someone doesn't fulfill a fundamental need of yours, instead of trying to change them, realize that you don't love them. So love or leave... Um, but yeah, trying to change people based on what you think they need is, is not possible. Okay, and I will do one last question because I realize I've been rambling for over an hour. So let's not go crazy for this first <laughs> podcast. Um, so the last question, it's kind of a two-parter. I mean... I get asked stuff like this a lot. Um, do I believe humans have been to the moon? 
Um, and is the earth flat? Stuff like that. Um, look, I don't know. Um, <laughs> do I find it highly suspicious that, you know, humans claim to have landed on the moon like six times? Um, prior to the 70s, you know, before color TV even existed and then never went back. Uh, yeah, I find it suspicious. Um, and the flat earth stuff, like, am I inclined to think that the earth is round? Yes. Um, but my bigger truth when it comes to questions like this is that um you know how relevant is it to your day-to-day life and how will a concrete answer help or harm your your day-to-day to me whether we live on a round or a flat earth does not impact my reality um i like i really love the quote Um, tend to the part of the garden that you can touch you know it's this having an awareness that we don't have to know everything Um, we don't have to fix everything Um, the biggest change that you can do and that genuinely will ripple out into the whole world is to just take care of the things within your reach and don't get me wrong I think that these things are fun to explore conceptually um but i think it becomes problematic when we become you know identified with one answer or the other so dramatically that we start discrediting people who have different beliefs than us particularly when we don't know like we're all taking you know one person it's it's the biggest issue with modern day access to information is that we're not researching things to know the truth we are researching within the tunnel of our own beliefs to justify what we think and so i think that when we take a step back and stop identifying so much with our isms you know whether it be any beliefs really from being a flat earther to you know not believing in the moon landings to being a vegan to being a feminist like all these labels you know i'm the left i'm the right it's like why do you have to be your belief to the point where you can't in interact with someone in a healthy calm grounded compassionate and loving way if they don't agree with you um if your beliefs start interfering with your your life um in a negative way then why what's the point um i think to me it's always going to come back to the individual approach Um, healing the inner world as a way of healing the outer world you know focusing on yourself on cleaning up your own mess you know within your home both literally like how clean is your space like how 
much pride do you take in your own things and how healthy are your immediate relationships most importantly with the person that you're looking at in the mirror but also with your partner with your children with your parents like how how are you showing up in your own community um and then you can worry about the other stuff another time um to me it's about the stuff that is is relevant to the micro because i know that as above so below if you heal what's going on inside of you and in your immediate surroundings it ripples out and so i don't dwell too much on the things that are out of my control i think that i get a lot of humor from them um my sense of humor is quite dark sarcastic and yeah stuff makes me laugh and i think that if we don't have the ability to laugh about ourselves in the world it's going to be a rough ride so laugh at the things you know out of their control and realize that by addressing uh your own inner world i think that that's the most profound way to yeah navigate and operate okay until next time bye okay surprise it's not over um i was going to insert this at the very beginning of the podcast but my tech skills are limited and honestly i can't figure out how to do it um so i'm just gonna put it at the end and that's fine basically what i wanted to say is that uh, there are a million reasons why i do not want to put this podcast out yet i don't feel ready I don't feel like I have the technological skills to even um, offer enough production value for someone to spend their time listening to this. I really value time as a resource. Like it's the only thing we only all have 24 hours of in a day, even though time's also an illusion. But anyways, um, I value time. And so I don't want to offer something that doesn't feel perfect and you know as a writer uh, as I've said I feel much more comfortable in that realm when it comes to publishing and editing and all that jazz Um, but what I wanted to say is that there's no perfect time to release anything or do anything and I think that at the end of the day, the most important thing is to check in with your intention about why you do things. And if it feels right in your heart, just do them. Um, It's about saying yes to expansion and growth and not finding reasons not to do something that scares you if you know that it's aligned with your highest truth. And my intention with this podcast is definitely to continue my mission that I have with my website of inspiring people to um, explore their truths and their place in this world and to question things and grow and introspect and heal and so despite not knowing how to have an introduction song or how to I don't even know how I'm gonna convert this garage band audio into 
something that actually is accessible off of the iTunes um, podcast app. But I'm doing it anyways because it's raw and it's real, but it's honest and it comes from my heart. So I guess in finishing this episode, I hope that um, you can do something for yourself that is scary, uh, knowing that things don't always turn out, you know, the best, but it's a learning experience and we're all growing together and nothing's ever perfect. So connect to your heart space and if something scares you, most likely it's something that is going to help you expand as a human being and expansion is where it's at. Thank you.